So we're beginning today a, a series of three messages about prayer, specifically dangerous prayers. And we've, we've chosen that name because a lot of the way that we pray is very safe. Uh, a lot of the, the prayers you pray are probably bedtime prayers, prayers over meals, uh, prayers for safe travels. And they're very safe prayers. And there's nothing wrong with those prayers, but I want to push us these next three weeks to pray what we're calling dangerous prayers. What I mean by that is um, the prayer in particular we're going to look at today is, is sort of a, a prayer to expose some of the deepest, maybe some of the areas in your life you want to keep hidden. We're asking God to peel back some layers and show us the truth about ourselves. All right. Anybody else need, a, need an outline, Eds? There we go. All right, so um, we've been talking a lot about prayer. These next three messages... I think, I believe, I'm trusting God that these are going to be the crossroads for many of you, many of us. You know, months from now, maybe a couple of years from now, I'm believing that some of you in this room are going to look back and you're going to say, you know, that 21 days of prayer and fasting I, I, I participated in, that's really where God just radically redirected my life. I want, I want us to think and believe that this, this series of messages and this season of prayer and fasting can be that transformational for you. Next week's message may, may possibly be the hardest one for me to preach and probably one of the hardest ones for you to hear. And, and the prayer we're going to learn to pray that's a dangerous prayer is, Lord, break me. What we're asking for is to God, for God to just break down all of the structures that we've built our lives to look like. Lord, break it all, pick up the pieces and make it what you want it to be. That's not an easy prayer. I don't think anybody just loves to be broken. Like Brokenness is not fun, but sometimes it's necessary. So next week we're going to press into that. And then the third week of this 21-day fast, we're praying a dangerous prayer. Um, it's the prayer, Lord, send me. And with that prayer, what we're talking about is just kind of giving God a blank check and saying, Lord, this life is not mine, it's your life. And I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm signing the check. You make it out for whatever you want it to be and you cash it in wherever you want it to be. So what you're saying to God in that prayer is, Lord, whatever, wherever, whenever, I'm yours. Lord, send me. Send me. It's a dangerous way to pray. I don't know that we pray that way very often. And I, I want to I challenge you to pray that way at least these next three weeks and to develop a habit of praying that way to God. So today we're going to focus in on a prayer that uh, King David teaches us. And so if you will join me in the book of Psalms, we're going to read from Psalm chapter 139 and focus in on how David prays and he says to search me. He's asking God, Lord, search me. Very intrinsic prayer today. David's been under attack from his enemies. He's been slandered. He's been persecuted. He's, he's just suffered a lot of personal harm. And uh, he comes to the Lord with these prayers. And he gets very intimate here at the end of this psalm. So what I'd like for us to do is to read it. I want to read it to you, and then I'd like for you to read it with me. As um, And let's just move our hearts toward praying this way. So, um, 
As we, as we always do, we, we, we like to stand in honor of God's Word. So I want to invite you to stand with me as we read. From Psalm 139, we're reading verses 23 and 24. And it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me. In the way everlasting. I want to invite you to say those words aloud with me as a, as a prayer from your heart to God. Let's just move toward prayer by saying this psalm together. Will you search me, O God, and know my heart? Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me. In the way everlasting. Father, that's our prayer today. Will you help us to be willing to peel back the layers and see the truth that is deep within us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So I want to ask you, what do you really want? What do you really want when it comes to following Jesus? What do you really want? Do you, do you want your life to be um, easy and smooth and simple and problem free? I mean, I think all of us probably want that. But do you want your life to be wholly devoted to God? Or are you comfortable kind of doing your own thing? You know, God's kind of doing his own thing and I'm doing my own thing and I'm comfortable here. Because if you're comfortable, this is not a prayer you want to pray. This is a prayer, again, of exposure. It's, it's where God is going to peel back some layers and show you the truth. So what I want to do is take four, just four bite-sized um, points in this little prayer. They're, they're right here in the text. So we're just going to kind of pick it apart a little bit to know exactly what it is that we're praying when we, when we pray along with David. So the first one is this. We're saying, Lord, search my Heart. Search my heart. We talk about the heart. We're not just talking about that organ in your body that pumps blood and makes sure everything stays working like it's supposed to. We're not just talking about that. We're actually talking about the, the center of who you are, your, your control system. Um, there's a, there's a little movie my kids love to watch called Inside Out. Anybody seen this movie? A little cartoon kids movie called Inside Out. If you haven't seen it, it's fun. You ought to watch it. But it, it gives you a glimpse of the inside of kind of the way our minds work. And it's basically this, uh, um, these characters are, are acting. It's a cartoon. And you get a, a glimpse into the way people are thinking and making decisions. And sort of you get this mental image of inside this dad's thought processes, there's little characters in there that are, one of them is anger and he's like, I'm just mad, you know, and another one is, uh, um, what are they? One of them is joy and joy is just, I'm just, it's, everything's great. And whoever it is that's at the control panel is how that person is operating, how that person is making decisions and doing what they do. So when we talk about the heart, that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about what is it that causes you to do what you do? What is it that drives you? 
So when we pray, Lord, search me, God, and know my heart, we're asking for God to look deep within to our control panel. Like, what is it that's in control, in charge, and, and operating, helping you make your decisions? What is it that's driving all your decisions? That's what we mean by heart. And when we're praying, search me, um, just so we're clear on, that, on this, we're not asking God to explore things that He doesn't already know. We're not, God's not going on an exploratory mission digging into areas where He's going to be educated and find out new information. God already knows everything that's deep within there. So when we pray, search my heart, it's actually so that He can surface those things for you to know. It's not, it's not for Him to learn. He's already, he already knows what's going on. But He's going to bring some things to the surface to expose the truth about your heart, some things that maybe you've either been in denial about or you just totally don't know. But we talk about our hearts in a way that's really not biblically accurate most of the time. You know, you, you hear people say things like, well, you know, um, he, he's, he's made a lot of bad decisions, but you know what, he's got a really good heart. Right, you ever heard, heard that? Maybe you've said that. Or... Um, well, she's really got a potty mouth, but she's got a great heart. <laughs> you ever heard that one? Um, you know, we talk like that. We talk about the heart as if it's not in control of what we do. And that's just not biblically accurate. You know, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It says it's desperately wicked. And then it asks this question, who can even know how bad it really is? That's what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. Who can understand it? Who can know it? Your heart is desperately wicked apart from Christ. And in Ezekiel, God says that in salvation, what he actually does is he pulls out a heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. So the work of salvation is so drastic that God's not just like, shocking your heart back to health, he's actually doing heart transplant surgery because this one is no good. It's not even worth saving. Like, it's not worth using. We got to get rid of that heart, replace it with a new heart. That's the way God talks about your heart. Jesus says um, that it's, it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks, right? That's what Jesus said. So here's the thing. If you got a potty mouth, you got a, you got a potty heart, <laughs> Right. That's the reality. So when we say, well, you know, he's, he, he's made some really bad choices, but he's really got a good heart. The reality is he's made bad choices because he has a bad heart. That's the truth for me. It's the truth for you. It's the reason we need a new heart. And that's the work of salvation in you and me is that God comes in and takes out that old one and puts in a new one, a new control panel. Now, even for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that are believers that have a new heart, we still struggle because it's in an old body. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, he says, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? So he's got a new heart, but it's in an old, crusty, sinful body. And the, the new heart and the old body are, are at war with one another. right? And Paul writes about how our flesh and the Spirit of God within us are at war in Galatians chapter 5. The desires of my flesh and the desires of the Spirit, they're at odds with each other. So this new heart God's put within me is, is battling with my flesh. 
So when we pray like David prays here, search my heart. God, search me and know my heart. We're asking God to expose the ugly. Like bring the ugly, bring the sin, bring the junk to the surface. You know, the truth is we're all, we're all liars. We, we lie to ourselves a lot. Um, the most common lies we tell are the, are the lies we tell ourselves. We, we say things to ourselves like, you know, I really don't eat that much. Or you say, um, you know, I'm just going to have one drink or two or five or nine. I don't really have an alcohol problem most of the time. Or we say, I don't have an anger problem. You just make me mad. (laughs) Or we say things like, I'm not really a gossip. I just want everybody to know how they can pray for each other. (laughs) Or uh, I'm not, I don't have a critical spirit. You're just an idiot. (laughs) Right? I, I don't have a lust problem. I just admire a beautiful physique. Right? We... We lie to ourselves a lot. And when we pray prayers like this, we're saying, God, tell me the truth. Bury my lies with the truth and help show me the truth about my heart. So when I was 15 years old, um, I was for the first time getting serious about my journey with the Lord. And um, I had a youth pastor at the time who Um, invested in me, spent some time with me, and he brought me to this passage of Scripture, and he said, Justin, I think you need to pray these verses. I just want you to go home and pray these Scriptures. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And just write down whatever it is He shows you. Just go home and pray and write down what He shows you. So I started doing that, prayed a couple of days. I was like, hmm, not really hearing much. But okay, so I just kind of wrote some thoughts. Uh, it was just a few days later that uh, my brother and I, he was 17, I was 15 at the time, we were leaving a, a youth event, and it was kind of a youth party ordeal, and we had, a, we had a blast, and we were leaving, and we got in the car, he was driving, because I was only 15, we were headed home, and I was like, man, that was so much fun, wasn't it? That was awesome, and he just looked at me, he was like, yeah, it was probably fun for you, and I was like, what are you talking about? And uh, my brother, who's actually a pretty loving guy, you know, he's not really harsh with his words, but he spoke some truth to me that day. He said, yeah, man, um, you're like, you got a thing about needing to be the center of attention. He said, I don't even think I know who you are without that spotlight that you crave. I was 15 years old. And for some reason, that conversation in the car just rocked me. And I... I, it just sobered me up. And you know what? God was answering my prayers. He was exposing some things that I was blind to. I had not even seen that side of myself. thought I was just the fun, bubbly personality. And my brother was like, mm, no. And God, through my brother, was exposing an area of sin in my heart. I didn't know. But I had a an ugly heart, and God wanted to deal with it. So I'm asking you, are you brave enough to ask God to search your heart? The second thing 
we're praying from David's prayer is this, Lord, reveal my fears. Reveal my fears. And when you read in the ESV translation, it says, try me and know my thoughts. When you dig a little bit deeper, you discover what's actually written here is know my anxious thoughts. Some of your translations may say that. If you have, I think it's the NIV, that's what it says. Know my anxious thoughts. That's an accurate translation. What we're talking about here is, Lord, reveal to me my fears, the things that make me anxious, the, the things that unsettle me. And the reason this is a significant prayer is because, because this, what we fear most often reveals where we trust God the least. What you fear the most often reveals where you trust God the least. Your fears are going to show you where you're not willing to let go of the steering wheel, where you're not willing to let God have control. I can't let God have control because what if, what if, and fill in the blank, and you live and you drive your heart, your heart is driving you based on your fears, what you're afraid of. And I could go through example after example, but I'm not talking about snakes and spiders and scary movies here. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. I'm talking about real life stuff like I'm afraid for the health of my marriage or I'm afraid for my children. I'm afraid for these things. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of success. I'm afraid that people won't like me. I'm afraid of intimacy. I'm afraid of being known by people. I'm afraid somebody's going to know who I really am. I'm afraid of loss. I'm af- Whatever it may be, these are the areas of fear, your anxious thoughts, that are indicators of areas that you don't trust God. You know, 365 times in the Bible, the Lord says to you and me, fear not. And the reason is because He's wanting to press us into faith. And fear and faith are at odds with each other. He wants you to trust Him. So you have to surrender your fears. Again, when we pray this, we're not asking God to know your anxious thoughts. He already knows your anxious thoughts, but do you? We're asking for Him to reveal your fears. This is all about us being known and us being honest with ourselves. Not lying to yourself anymore. Fears usually indicate areas where you want control. You want control. God wants trust. Trust requires that you relinquish control. As long as you're in control, you're not trusting. So when you pray for God to reveal your fears... Ask Him to help you trust in His love. I want to give you two verses that I think will be helpful here. 1 John 4.18 says this, There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. That's 1 John 4.18. And then 2 Timothy 1.7 says, says that God has not given to you a spirit of fear, right? But of love and peace and a sound mind. So if you have a spirit of fear, that's not from God, right? He doesn't want you to be afraid, fearful, anxious. He wants you to trust Him, rest in Him. So we're praying for God 
to search your heart, to reveal your fears. And thirdly, Lord, uncover my sins. Uncover my sins. Again, I'm talking about dangerous prayers. These are maybe not your, your mealtime, bedtime, travel time type prayers. These are dangerous prayers because if you ask God, uncover my sins, He's going to. That's dangerous because it's risky. But the psalmist writes in verse 24, See if there is any offensive way in me or any grievous way in me. See, see, so we're talking about uncovering, exposing. See, Lord, if there's any offensive way in me. We talk about offense. Who is it that we're offending? This is an offense toward God. It's not just an offense toward a friend or a person, although those matter. This is specifically an offense toward God. And David's asking God to show him areas where he is sinning. That's what a sin is, is to offend a holy God. David's asking for God to expose those things because maybe he's unaware. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you probably sin way more than you know you do. You have have sins of commission which is where you know better and you just do it anyway. And then you have what's called sins of omission, which is kind of like God says it's not okay, but, but you, just, you do it anyway and you're kind of blind to it. And some of those um, you've chosen. It's like a chosen blindness. You've chosen to be blind to your own sin. And I, I'm with you, okay? But God wants to expose these things let me ask you a really personal question here. So if, um, <clears throat> if you regularly deeply offended and hurt your spouse regularly and you were unaware of it, would you want to know? Let me ask you, because this matters. If you regularly, regularly, deeply hurt and offend your spouse and you're totally unaware, would you even want to know? I hope your answer to that is absolutely yes. Why? Because hopefully you love your spouse enough to change, right? If I'm regularly hurting Lauren and regularly offending her and she's deeply hurt by me and I I don't know it and finally it comes out and she's saying, when you do that, like it makes me feel like this. And I'm like, oh, I am so sorry. I don't I don't want you to feel that way. And I'm going to change. Like something in me goes, I love her. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to offend her. I'm not doing that again. Right? So that's what love motivates within us. And here's the thing. Do you love God enough to want to know the areas that you are regularly offending Him? This is a dangerous prayer because God's going to bring some things to the surface that maybe you're totally blind to. And he's going to show you this is not okay with me. This is sin. Now, here's what we usually do. Okay, what we usually do is we usually um, defend ourselves when these kind of situations come up. Let's just go back to me and Lauren. Right. She brings something up. She's like, hey, when you when you do this, like. It, it really hurts me. It makes me feel like this. 
I'm usually, my flesh, if it responds, is going to say, well, you shouldn't get your feelings hurt about that. Right? Or I'm going to go, well, here's, here's why I'm doing that. I'm going to explain my way out of it. Or maybe I'm just going to go, oh, whatever. So I want to give you three questions to ask about your own sin that may help you dig it out. Here they are. What are others trying to tell you? You know, sometimes people are trying to tell you what's going on, how you're offending them. Sometimes people are trying to show you and tell you, hey, this is not okay. And you're just constantly giving them the stiff arm. I bet when I was 15 years old and my brother finally broke through to me and told me, hey, man, you, you're kind of a center of attention kind of guy. That's got to stop. That's not okay. When that finally broke through, I bet it wasn't the first time he said it. It was just the first time I heard it. What are people regularly trying to tell you that you're just not hearing? Second question. What are you rationalizing What have you rationalized for a while now? Like, what is it that you're just explaining away? It's okay, you know. It's it's really not that big of a deal. Honestly, I feel like that's what we do with God all the time. For things that we think are little sins. Like, we think they're a little sin. And God's like, there's no little sin. Like, when you belittle sin, you're actually belittling a holy God. And there is no sin too small. Every little sin is what Jesus died for. Every small sin is big enough to put him on the cross. So what have you rationalized for a while now? And then thirdly, where am I most defensive? Like what, in what areas are you constantly saying, well, come on now and, and, and putting up walls to defend yourself, to justify your behavior, to say, well, here's why that's Okay. I want you to listen in. This is, this is huge right here. Many times, if you'll just let down your walls and open the door of conversation about your weaknesses and your sins, God will show you the truth. Um, classic movie comes to mind, you know, you can't handle the truth, right? <laughs> um, but God will show you the truth if you're just okay with listening and willing to make a change. God's going to show you the truth, not to damage you. Listen, it's not to damage you, but to grow you. He takes no pleasure in your pain. I want you to hear this, okay? God takes no pleasure in your pain, but He will lovingly wound you to grow you beyond your past. Here's the thing about a past. All of us have a past, right? Everybody's got a past, right? Y'all with me? We all have a past. Here's the thing about a past, though. It's behind you. What God wants to do is actually to give you a past. That makes sense? He wants you to get past some junk. The only way things get in your past is if they're no longer in your present. Is that making sense? And so God wants to surface some junk in your heart to show you how to repent from your sin so that it'll be in your past. Because right now it's still in your present. So as you're praying, God, uncover my sins. Show me if there's any grievous way in me, any offensive way in me. Show me the truth. Help me to listen. Help me to not rationalize it. Help me to not defend myself. 
Search me. Reveal my fears. Uncover my sins. And then lastly, lead me. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So big question here. In your life, who's in charge? In my house, we regularly go through the hierarchy with my children. (laughs) It's a regular conversation. Um, I have to remind my children about the hierarchy at at our house. Whoa, whoa. Are you the boss here? (laughs) That's a normal conversation in my house. Who's the boss here? You are daddy. Okay, who else? Mommy. Okay, who's, who's above daddy? God. That's right. We regularly go through the hierarchy in my house. But you know what? I need that in my own life. And so do you. I need to have a regular checkup. Whoa, 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 Justin. Who's the boss here? Who's, who's in charge? Is it you? Is it me? Mm-hmm. Not in a believer's life, it's not. When we pray like David, Lord, lead me. Lead me. Okay, you can pray all day long, God, lead me. But you know what? If you don't follow, it ain't happening. In order for Him to lead you, you've got to follow where He leads. And that means you've got to surrender the control. Like you've got to get out of the driver's seat. I'm on a roll here with some cheesiness, but Jesus, take the wheel, right? Right? You got to move over and not just over to the navigator's seat, into the back seat. And don't be a back seat driver. God's the boss. I'm going to surrender the lead to you, and I'm going to follow. That's the caveat to leadership is that you actually have to follow. You can say, Lord, lead me all day long. But if you don't follow, he's not leading. So this is a dangerous prayer because it takes you out of control. And I feel like a lot of people love Jesus as Savior, but don't really like him as master. And a lot of people in the New Testament came to Jesus and they said, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me, you know, let me first do this. And they came to Jesus wanting to follow him with some strings attached. And if you read carefully through the New Testament, you see Jesus says, that ain't how this works. If I come in, I come in to be the boss. I'm not just, I'm not just about forgiving people. I'm about leading people. And I, and I come in to be the boss. So here's the thing, if, if, if your life, if the pattern of your life is to say, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful you're my Savior, but if there's not, if there's strings attached, I mean, if you've got strings attached to God, well, I'm thankful you're my Savior, but this, this, kind of is, this is me right here. I get, this is my spot. I'm leading this right here. Be careful of that. That's not the gospel. That's not what following Jesus looks like. Stop lying to yourself. Stop leading yourself. Surrender the lead to Him. So this is a prayer of surrender. It's it's a dangerous prayer. Again, because you're relinquishing control. So here's how we pray. Church, we're asking God, search me, 
Know my heart. Test me. Know my, know my deepest fears, my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive in me. Anything at all, Lord, expose it. Help me so I can repent, so I can change. Because I love you enough that if I'm offending you, I want to change. And then lead me in the way everlasting. Are you willing to pray this way? Are you willing to pray like this? Because if you are, it's a dangerous prayer. In the sense that it will change your life.